right. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sunday recap. This is not the voice that you're usually going to hear from the beginning. Um, this is Pastor Mitch, if you couldn't tell by now. <laughs> you probably could. Chris is away. Well, he's returning from being away, yeah. right? Yeah. I think he did a red eye. Did, did you think so? I'm not sure. I didn't get all the details. Yeah. So, so our friend Chris is coming back from California today. So you just have me and Ariel in the podcast room today talking about end times. End times on the podcast. Yeah. And we're unplugged. Like, who knows what's going to happen yeah, today? Yeah, we, we, we li- we've listened to the sermon. <laughs> we've talked about what we're going to do. But I don't know if any of either one of us is for sure exactly where we're going. Yeah, but yeah. we'll see where the conversation takes us today. That's right. So, yeah. So, again, we're excited. Um, one thing, you know, we were chatting here and we were talking about, you know, there's a lot of uh, newer faces in our church. We've mm-hmm. had a lot of people that are visiting our church, um, people that are stopping in, people that are trying our church, um, or people that have made our church their home. And we've not really promoted the Sunday recap lately. Um, and I always say this in mission in missions world, but I'm going to say this for the podcast too. I We could share the podcast all day long from our church page, and it is only going to go about a quarter as far as if you share it with everybody else. Sure. Yeah. And so we're just going to encourage you this morning, if you are a faithful listener to our podcast, Share this episode or share another episode. If this one, if you're like, this one was not my favorite, <laughs> share, <laughs> yeah. Because we haven't recorded it. I mean, like, we'll see what happens. But yeah, please do share. Um, I know that there are so many people out there who are thinking through the scriptures throughout the week and that you're following along with our our Sunday prep um, reading plan that goes along with mm-hmm. each sermon each week. And this is just a great way to dig in. And we hope that it's it's helpful to you. Hope it's edifying to you. But um, we would love to have more people listening and engaging us in conversation outside of the podcast. Exactly. As well. And like this is, I feel like this is the insiders. This is where I give you all the inside scoop. Oh, on, yeah. Yeah. You get you the know, behind the scenes on sermons and how we do things, you know, what's <laughs> going on in the church, you know. Here lately, I feel like we've been getting more inside scoop than probably what everybody needs to know. Like last week, so? we had a. What did we, we talk about a, last week? We had a email in the middle of the podcast that changed the dates on something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we just let you guys hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So that in Mom's Crossing, I had to stop um, Erica in the middle of her announcement for the same thing yeah. this week. Yep. Because she was, she starts off like, nope, wrong, wrong, <laughs> start over. <laughs> That's wrong, wrong info. Yeah. Other thing, did you did you hear about the baptismal? I know you did, but did the yes. listeners? Did you hear what happened to the baptismal? So when it rained last week, everyone just assumed that the flooding was coming in. Because let's just be honest, we've mm-hmm. had all kinds of flooding with our new construction. Yeah, find a wall in this building, and there's probably water there. <laughs> um, and so everybody just assumed that that's what it was. Well. It turns out that the baptismal was slowly leaking on baptism Sunday, <laughs> yeah. of course, of all of all weeks, and uh, um, so they had to suck dry literally mm-hmm. the carpet in the auditorium before yeah. church. And started. I've always wondered where you buy a baptismal. Yeah, Royal Spa. Did you oh, know that? Really? Like those old spa commercials? Yeah, Royal Spa is where where our baptismal is from. So that, we're getting as inside <laughs> scoop as you want. So, and guess what? We might actually try to fix it with Flex Seal. Okay. So have well, you seen those commercials? No. Hey, if you can canoe with Flex Seal, I think you can get baptized. <laughs> you can hold the waters of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah. So there's the real inside scoop to what's going on. But uh, one more thing. This Sunday we've got T-shirts. 
um, that we are handing out to our church. They're completely free. Um, it's just kind of something that we're excited that we're back together. Um, mm-hmm. There's a phrase that we've heard a lot of people say often. Scott said it maybe six or seven weeks ago, which is just when we're with the family of God, we feel like we're at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we're not, I mean, and to get really theological, it's a picture of our eternal home. It's not It's not really home. Right. But, but when we're together, we never feel closer um, than to our eternal home. And so um, we're just giving these shirts out. They're going to say, I am home on the front. They're completely free. We've got them all the way from like kid sizes to adult sizes. And I don't think we've ever done that. We've never done that. That's so exciting. Yeah. So, so your kids can grab a shirt. You can grab a shirt totally free, wear them around, wear them to the soccer field, wear them wherever you want. I don't think we have toddler sizes or onesies. So no, Graham, I out. wish we did. I was like, <laughs> could I alter this? You might be. Able I don't to. alter clothes, but but yeah. I was like, could somebody alter this? Yeah. I thought, or I was like, should I order like my own custom? You totally could because you have access to the graphic. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, and I and I know the guy who ordered them. Maybe he'll throw one in for me. We bought yeah. quite a quite a few shirts. That's so. true. So I would love to clarify something that happened last week. You know, first of all, we do this podcast and oftentimes we're shooting from the hip because we have about 24 hours to prepare. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and last week I said something um, that I did not know at the time I had said until I listened back. And so picture me sitting in the car, riding home, listening to the podcast after it's already been released to the world. And I said that Jesus is in his physical body dead. And I did not mean that. Like, I did not mean that he was dead. So I'm in the car and I was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to correct some heresy from last week that Jesus Christ is in his physical body, but he is alive. He is not dead. Um, he died. He was buried. He resurrected fully alive in his physical body, United soul and body together, which is amazing. So he's the firstborn from the dead. He is the first example of what our resurrection life will look like of soul and body united. And that is actually the natural state that the Lord has has uh, has designed for us. So, yeah. Hey. There it, you go. It, it's all okay, you know. <laughs> I mean, if we were really good friends, we would have stopped her in her tracks. But one, you know, I'm I'm preparing for what I'm saying half the time that someone else is talking on yeah, this thing, yeah. you know, as we said. And, and the other thing is, you know, you're now removed. As you were talking, I took you off my cancel list. So oh, thanks. You're now, you're now I appreciate back. It. You're, you're out of the camp of heretic. And I mean, you're back. in cancel culture, I totally get how this stuff happens because like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That thing's been clipped. It's it's all over the world now. Yeah. I've seen memes about it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody probably noticed, but it is good that we correct ourselves. And as yeah. you said, again, we, you know, every week we are giving you our thoughts on the sermon and mm-hmm. man, take our thoughts and put them next to scripture and let us know if we say something that you think is wrong. You know, yeah. Maybe we'll come back to it or something, um, you know, because a lot of these things is we're wrestling with things beyond another layer of the sermon. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. So we ask for grace. And, you know, and we, we hope that, you know, this creates conversations between you and us and other people uh-huh. in our church. So I think I'm more disappointed that nobody came up to me on Sunday and said, did you mean what you said? Ah. Either nobody's listening or everybody's just really nice. Nah. Really nice. Really nice. <laughs> That's what right. it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this morning we're going to be talking about facing the future without fear. Sorry. why That is, that is the series. That is but the, series. the sermon is called Facing the Future with Faith. 
Um, and so we're going to be looking at First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 today. Um, I was actually talking to Scott this morning. I was like, I think this is one of the best sermons um, I've heard him give in a while. Um, and I don't mean that as a knock. I mean, just genuinely, I thought it was a really, really good sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, just, we just sat in the text and there were so many things we pulled out of it that I thought were so helpful. Um, and I think like Scott said, no matter what season of life we're in, we're all, you know, I think for every generation, we have our version of what like the end times narrative was. Yeah. I don't know what yours was, but mine was the, um, that 2012 movie. Do you remember that was like coming out? Which one? It was like, I think it was called 2012. And okay. it was like, I never even watched it, but like, it was like a whole, like, this is what the end's going to be like. Uh-huh. And it was coming, I think the movie came out in like probably 2008 or 2009 or something like that. But it was like, yeah, this is like, this is going to be the end of the world. Okay. And I think it was more of like a volcano thing, if I remember. Like it was something yeah, like uh-huh. that. And then like, you know, I, I don't, I, but like, yeah, that was, that was. Just mass destruction. Yes. Uh, natural disasters everywhere. Yeah. yeah. D- did you did you have any of those like for your generation? Oh, totally. Yeah. So my generation was, of course, the Left Behind series. So okay. we have that ingrained forever. But when I was in youth group, I do remember them showing us. I think the movie was called Thief in the Night. Okay. And there was a guillotine involved. Wow. I mean, it was intense, and it scared me straight. I will tell you. <laughs> I yeah. mean, since then, I feel like um, I have a better discernment of what the scriptures say about about it, but that, that movie, man, I think that it it was a good reminder to me that we have to be really careful with what we digest. Mm -hmm. Um, anything that has to do with, um, that thing, things that are in the scriptures, do we, do we, do we mean to carry around those pictures that are made for us by movie makers Mm -hmm. and all that? And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, anyway. I'm not, yeah, I don't want to say much about it because I know this is a sensitive subject, sure. but I was talking with JC and she was reminding me of a scene in Left Behind where she's like, yeah, I remember she's like, it was traumatizing to me. There's this guy who's left on the plane and there's no pilot. Ooh, like yeah. he's been mm-hmm. like he's been raptured. And so like the plane's going down. Yeah. And we were we were talking about it. And I just think it's important that like don't read the Bible through the lens of someone else's version of what the end time is. Right. Do it the other way around. Like, so if you like, if you are interested in this stuff and you want to read it and you want to know it, like do your thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to do that, read it through the lens of scripture. Don't read scripture through the lens of something else. Right. And I think that's, that would be my one encouragement for the people that really, really like are interested in this stuff is not to have some filter that they're placing over the Bible. Yeah. And it might mean undoing like a lifetime of teaching on things that people have told you about the end times yeah, and go into the source. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this week, and that's why I really appreciate it. I think Scott was very clear. He kind of gave us these two categories. He said, okay, what do we need to know mm-hmm. about the end? And then the second one was how do we prepare? And, and I think, again, that's, that's the way we need to be thinking about this. Like we need to not think about all the things we don't need to know. Mm-hmm. We don't need to think about, you know, again, how to like cross all our dots, get all our things ready. Or I think about all the things that people have done that aren't really helping them prepare you know, that aren't like trying to live righteous, you know, holy lives that glorify mm-hmm. God. Um, you know, maybe it's just stacking, you know, 6,000 things of ramen or something, you know, like, and, and again, you want to do that, that's fine. But that should probably be done secondarily to doing the, to living the, out the way that Jesus calls you to right. preparing for the end. And so I love the two categories that he gave us. And so I want to jump in. Would you, would you read the passage today? And sure. I just think there's lots of little cool things in this passage we can talk about. Absolutely. All right, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. 
Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as, a la- as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, for, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Yeah. So again, I think this is a great passage. You know, when I was listening to the sermon this week, I was reminded, um, I have a better picture of labor pains in this season than I ever have. And, <laughs> you do and now, I, don't I was you? thinking about that. I have often heard people when they talk about, you know, the end times and they talk about labor pains mm-hmm. being this like drawn out season. And, and I just kind of always thought that's what it was like, you know, all right, two weeks before you're gonna have your baby, it's like, oh, you're gonna start to experience these contractions, you know, and like, or whatever, Braxton, all, all this stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then, and then as it gets closer, they're going to become more rapid and then you're going to be ready to go. Well, I think again, and I assume that for most women, especially those who've been pregnant, you probably realize that it's not always quite that gradual, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> I did not know that. So for me, like literally, you know, just to kind of take you into our story, you know, I don't really remember JC having what I would describe as labor pains until the night that Graham was born, Uh you know, like it was, my parents were over, it's 10 PM. They're hanging out. JC's like, yeah, I started to, you know, not feel good. Started to feel like I was cramping and we're at the hospital delivering the baby at, you know, four or five in the morning. Yeah. So like it's six hours. Uh It's not weeks. It's not months. It's not years. Now, I'm not trying to take that literally. Right. But I'm just saying, like, for those that maybe were not as informed with how childbirth works, um, it's not always something that's like, oh, it's clear. You can measure them. It's not an earthquake. You know, like like an earthquake where it's like you can experience tremors and you go, oh, this tremor probably means that this, like, the big one's coming around the corner. Mm -hmm. It doesn't quite work that way. Um, You know, the other thing I learned is, like, that you could kind of experience labor pains and they could mean absolutely nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. Or you could experience labor pains and it literally, like in JC's case, you're going to have the baby right away. Yeah. So uh, that may sound simple. <laughs> I don't know well, for no, you. but I think you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, I've had three babies and I can tell you that you just don't know. Yeah. You just don't know mm-hmm. when it's going to happen, how long it's going to last, wh- what it's going to be like. Absolutely. Everyone is different. And so I think that um, I think the author here is trying to show us that we just don't know. It's going to come upon the world unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. In a way they can't predict. Yeah, and 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 so I even remember, you know, we we like we got to the hospital and we thought we were going to be sent home, and yeah. they're like, "Oh no, it's go time," you know. <laughs> so just like I just again thinking of that picture and thinking about how that relates to the end of the world, I think like that's kind of the posture we have to have. You know, we had our go bag ready. Mm-hmm. We had, our, you know, I'm not talking about your literal go bag again, but like yeah. we were, you know, we were prepared for the moment. But we had no idea when it was going to come. And even being prepared, we didn't take half the things we thought we needed, you know. And, and again, it's the same way as Scott was saying. You can kind of prepare for a thief in the night. 
but you can't fully prepare. <laughs> like, you know, like you can, you can install some security cameras and, you know, you can like lock some things. You can maybe have some protection, but you can do all that. But like, you're still not really ready for it when it comes, you know, when that moment comes in the middle of the night. And, and I think that's, we need to remind ourselves, okay, so if that's true, like it's just going to happen at some point, then what do we, what does it look like to be prepared? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I think even before that question, we need to ask ourselves again, okay, what do we really need to know? Like, if we don't know when it's going to happen, what do we need to know? Yeah. I do want to back up for just a second here because I love that, uh, that, that Paul is being really specific that it's not going to surprise you like a thief if you are in mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. And so he sets a difference there already from the beginning that um, that you don't have to be afraid, I think, is what he's getting to. You don't have to be fearful um, that you'll be surprised and caught off guard if you're mm-hmm. sober-minded and awake and ready. Yeah, um, yeah sorry. No, I, I think that's great. No, it's, it's, not gonna, it's not that it's going to take you by storm, but there is a, if you're in Christ, there's a preparedness that you're going to have that others yes, aren't. Yes, yes. Um, and, and it's not, again, it's not your literal go bag. Yeah. But it, but it might actually be like, no, you, you have a spiritual security. You have a sense of awareness. You're, you know, you're resting in Christ when things may not make the most sense. Well, I think it's so interesting that there is that dichotomy here. So you have those who are of, um, whoever of the day, who are of light mm-hmm. and those who are of darkness um, and who are sleeping and who are getting drunk um, figuratively and literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Scott talked about the day of judgment, which doesn't get preached on very often at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, the topic of hell, the topic of judgment, God's wrath. I think that that used to be, there was an era where that was very um, prominent in America's sermons. Um, and I think that we all have like this picture of this hellfire brimstone sermon that, mm-hmm. that has scared everyone to death. And, um, and so the, the, the church kind of swung another way and we don't really talk about it anymore, mm-hmm. but I love that he brought it up and said that there is something that happens when we are, when we are face to face with what the truth of judgment means, um, for individuals and in mm-hmm. that it can actually bring us to repentance and bring us to our knees. And so, um, I just appreciated him. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was telling Ariel and I were talking before the podcast, I think one of the really interesting pictures in this passage is these kind of parallels between darkness and light. Mm-hmm. You know, there are these, there are these like Paul, Paul does this often, but he's kind of using two different extremes to describe everything. So we see, you know, the darkness, we see the light, we see awake, we see asleep, mm-hmm. we see drunk, we see sober. And then ultimately he kind of ends and he, and he tells us who we are, you know, and he says, for God has not destined you us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are asleep or awake or asleep, we might live with him. And so, uh, you know, as, as we know from the narrative of scripture is that like, apart from Christ, we are, you know, a part of this people of the darkness. You know, we've not been, we've not been awakened by Christ. And, and so this parallel really shows us that this, these are the two different states of the world. And yet God, um, has the authority and Jesus Christ comes on the scene and has the authority over both darkness and light. (laughs) And there is no light apart from him. And so as, as Scott was saying, this is a passage that's really showing at the end, um, who the authority is, you know, of all things. Um, and that's, that's what judgment day is. Um, and so I think it's good that we understand again, what do we need to know? Okay. We need to know that this is coming, Mm -hmm. you know, simply put, 
And we need to know again, um, what's going to happen, but not from like the physical, you know, what color is the sky? What's the temperature going to be like? Who's there? Who's not? But that like, what is this moment about? And it's about Christ's authority over both darkness and light. Yeah. And this is going to be the moment where all of those things um, come come to full fruition. Yeah. And so, you know, darkness is used all throughout scripture. It's used to describe death. It's used to describe sickness, disease, mm-hmm. evil. And so what he's saying, there will be a moment in time where those things will be no more. And Christ will have, take what he already has is full authority over those things. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we have to look forward to. You know, that's why we can have faith in this moment. Cause as Scott said, well, we, we like, we live by faith now, which I, I that was something he said really briefly, but what he's saying there is that we don't, we don't have, like, we don't literally, like, we can't see this. We can't see that Christ has overcome the darkness. We can see glimpses of it in moments and we can taste it in things, but there will be a day where it will be 100% evidently clear. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what this day is. Yeah. And I love this because I think it's great to read, um, revelation with yeah. both letters to the Thessalonians. Um, so that you can kind of see how Paul has talked about this, how John has talked about this, the Apostle John, um, and even your dichotomy of darkness and light. You can see where Paul and John have mm-hmm. both talked about this. Um, but just to think about the fact that Revelation is a picture, it's a letter that is a picture of peeling back the, the layers of heaven so that you can see that John has seen up into what is the heavenly realm, that is the heavenly reality of what we just cannot see right now. Um, and I'm just so excited that on that day, the day of the Lord, is the day that we are finally able to see the whole world, believers, mm-hmm. non-believers, all alike, will finally see what the heavenly reality is, and that's Jesus Christ is Lord over all. And um, man, so exciting. Um, I was just thinking of First Peter 2.9. Yeah. Uh, let me get me there really quickly. Um, For your chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's that same parallel. Same thing. And and this is a parallel that's existed since the very beginning of scripture. You know, like it's not used in the same sense, but but it's very, this is very common in Hebrew literature. So you even Mm -hmm. look, you know, at creation and what do you have? You have the darkness and the void, and then you have the light and you have, and you have God in control of both these things. So God's always been in control of the physical darkness and light, Mm -hmm. and he's been in control of the spiritual powers at play. But with the existence of sin on this earth, again, this is kind of the cosmic reality of Christ's return is that God is at work at one, at one day all of those things will be made clear again. He's, he's always in control of these things, but this is what he's at work in doing. I want to sidetrack us here for a second. So okay. I've had uh, three different conversations with people in our church lately about um, Revelation in time, some that attach to this series, some that like people are doing their own Bible study or their D groups doing it or something. And um, there's so many different views on Revelation, and I don't want to get us in the weeds on those right now. But I want to ask you, you know, as someone that you took a um, you took a John class, right? Mm-hmm. That's where most of yeah. like your stuff's from. Um, and I took, you know, a, a Revelation class, a Daniel Revelation class. What would you say to people that are like, okay, um, I get like I only need to know these things, but I want to study the scriptures more on this subject. Mm-hmm. Where would you tell them to start? What would you encourage them to do? Ooh. That's a great question. Um, I've had a few people ask me this, yeah, so I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious what you would say. I think that I 
what helped me so much was to read Revelation um, as part of the whole narrative of Scripture, mm -hmm. to see it as the end bookend to Genesis, um, and to see the themes that the Lord has providentially woven throughout his, his story. Um, his story, I like that. Yeah. History. His story. <laughs> was that not intentional? So, no, it it seems super intentional. You're such a student pastor. I love it now. <laughs> it seemed really oh intentional. Gosh. No, <laughs> okay, that's keep awesome. going, keep going. Oh, so I mean, I obviously I would want to direct you to read the scriptures first and foremost. Um, but sometimes I do really appreciate what other authors and other um, uh, theologians have written on these themes to just kind of help us see it all the way through. Um, T.D. Alexander wrote a great book called From Eden to the New Jerusalem, and nice. that was my favorite book of 2020. <laughs> um, it's a shorter read, um, and it just pulls out all these threads of, of, of kingdom um, and, of course, of, of Christ being the ultimate ruler and um, for choosing us and pulling us in as mm -hmm. um, his heirs and that we get to rule with him. Um, and so just beautiful, beautiful way that the Lord's book is written as literature for yeah. us. Um, sometimes I just need help seeing that. That's good. Um, so, so you would, you, you would take more of the approach of like, we're going to try to look through the themes of this throughout the entire Bible. I think so. Um, I would, I would say that with a deep study of revelation, um, you would want to think about revelation. I, let me just turn there for a moment. Um, something that really helped me in the very beginning of studying that book in particular was realizing that it is um, full of symbolism and it says it yeah. is. It says from the very outgo mm -hmm. um, that that it would be. And so I think that just knowing that and, and mm -hmm. walking through um, gives me a better picture of how to how to read the book that it's, I mean, John is telling us yeah. to read it like this. Um, also knowing that it is a set of, it is a letter that circulated to seven churches in particular, but all of the churches of Asia Minor. Yeah. Um, and using these seven churches as an example of things that were going on in the congregations mm -hmm. as examples of what the believer needs to think mm -hmm. about and consider before the Lord returns. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great parallel with what we're studying right now, mm -hmm. especially talking about how can we ready ourselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the churches in the first few chapters of Revelation and see what they were struggling with and see which church or see which which congregant yeah. you are and um, mm -hmm. and start to ask the Lord to use the spirit to change those things yeah. in you. Yeah, I think I think again the few people that I've talked to what I've really encouraged is, you know, we said this from the beginning of this podcast, but we have a tendency, you know, to read things in the scripture that we don't even know we're doing. Right. And so, you know, it, I would, as you said, I would focus on the text. Yes. Um, you know, and in what text are those? Okay, well, you can find, you know, Jesus talks about, you know, the end. Um, you could look, as you said, John's writing. Mm -hmm. Um you could look, you could read Daniel Revelation. Um, you could look at all these, you could look at passages in Isaiah. Um, you could look at First Thessalonians like we are now, but I would focus on the text and then I would say, okay, what do I think this is talking about and what are all the different options? Yeah. And and that's how I would do it. And especially if you're listening to this, I know probably more of the people that are listening are leading than they're just, you know, necessarily people that are in the study. I would encourage you to do that. You know, to not just like go find somebody's discussion on it and just, you know, lay their chart out and say, this is what it's talking about, but really work through the passages. Yeah. And you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. You do want to like just hone in on the text right there in 
the book that you're reading. Mm -hmm. But man, when you have a whole council of scripture experience where you've you've spent some time in Daniel, John refers to Daniel so many times in Revelation that it, I mean, it enriches what you what you get out of it when you yeah when, you, yeah, when you read them side by side. It's like there are there are direct parallels Absolutely. that we can't. Um, and they're supposed to be. They're both prophecies about the end, you yeah. know. So they, I would hope that if they're both in the Bible, that they somewhat somehow relate to one another. But Absolutely. We just need to not read those books isolated. And so, so I again, I sorry to pause us there, but I do think it's yeah. important because I think our natural thinking when we're in a series like this is like, oh man, I don't really know what's going on. What am I going to do to learn more? And I would say, well, first off, there are a few studies in our church that seem like they're going to go into this. But two, like I would encourage you just start by reading the text. You know, that would be where I would begin. Start by reading the text and read it. You know, as you said, read the whole narrative of Scripture. Well, nobody told me that the word rapture and a picture of the rapture is not in Revelation whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I did not know that until last semester. Yeah. And so I read all of Revelation in one sitting, and I'm like, there's no rapture in here. Yeah. Well, and Scott talked a little bit about <laughs> yeah. that last week, too. You know, just even even the passage we looked at last week is one of the passages that's used to kind of support that viewpoint. Right. And he's like, that's not necessarily what it's talking about. <laughs> you right. know, this this physical rapture. Um, it kind of sounds like they're there. <laughs> you yeah. know, so so again, I, I just think it's it's good. Um, it's good once to rec- it's good to recognize that we might always be wrong. And um, that we've also, our views have been informed by lots of different things. And then we should approach scripture openly. Now, I want to put one little like asterisk on that. I think it's always good to just open the Bible and read it too. So if you're listening to me and you think like, man, you just gave me a million parameters that make this harder to do. I would go, nope, read it. And the Holy Spirit's going to work as you're doing it. I would, I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize that. Um, Now, I mean, if you're just reading someone else's view on it, like, that might be a little different story, but again, read it, spend time in it. But I think that's good when we're having the conversation about, you know, what do we need to know? Well, what we need to know is in the scriptures, you know, it's there, it's laid out for us. And now we have to work through the process of interpretation, but I would encourage you to walk through that. You know, if you're someone that like, man, I want to know more about what this says, Mm -hmm. get involved, read it. Um, And I wouldn't be shocked if at some point we have a study on it in the next couple years. Yeah. I can't promise that. I know. I mean, we've had discussions with Scott about it in the past. Like, are you going to talk about it? So uh, we might do that. All right. So let's, let's move into, move into the second side of this. So again, all right. So, so what do we need to know? We really need to know that it's going to (laughs) happen. You know, that's kind of it. We need to know it's going to happen. We need to have faith and we need to know that where we're, how we are going to stand before God at that moment. Um, that by the power of Christ, you know, that we're secure. That's what Paul lays out. Okay, so how do we prepare? Well, Scott started with embracing our identity, which I think is a really, I mean, that is such a relevant place to start because that seems to be the main topic of the culture right now of, of identity. Um, and when you know who you are, I mean, that's what, what Scott yeah. brought up. Uh, that informs everything that this text is telling us. Um, children of light, as, as Paul is telling us who we are, if we're in Christ, then we know um, that that is what influences how we live. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, it removes the fear. Um, it removes the, the, uh, the anxiety that we might have mm-hmm. over 
something that would be a surprise to us. I don't know about you. I, I really don't like surprises. <laughs> um, and you guys find, found out that Graham was going to be a boy. Yeah, we knew. Yeah, we did too. I just couldn't no, wait. We I would could not. not. We would uh-uh. not a chance. No. We would have done that. No. Nope. 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 No. And I think part of it is control. Like I just want to be in control, and uh, I just want to know. But mm-hmm. part of it too was like I just wanted to know each of my boys and name them, and oh, you know, I'm all the of that. worst. I'm the guy who tells people about Christmas gifts. You bought <laughs> yeah. Them. Same. And it's not my. Fu- it's my. If my dad and he listens to this often. Yeah. He is the. He is the worst. I mean, I have memories in my childhood where, like, we're driving to a store, and I'll be, like, in the back of the car, and I'll be, I mean, I might have still been in a car seat or something, and he'll be like, hey, did you say you wanted a uh, Nintendo 64 for Christmas? And it like, that'd be his way of telling you what's good. Like, but, but again, I, I don't like, there's this, um, so yeah, this is, you cut this out if you want Chris later, but so like right now at home, um, so I graduated from seminary two weeks ago. Yeah. So congrats, super, by the way. thank you. Woo! Super pumped. Got a little green check on my transcript now. Nice. I'm like, oh, it's official. So, so really pumped about that. But, and when I say that, like I'm all about ongoing learning. So expect me to talk about taking classes again in the future people, yep. but like, okay. So to the story, there's. JC sent me a picture and said, oh, I tried to buy you a hat, but it didn't, but it didn't come in. It was like a Biola hat thing as a small gift. And I, but I saw that there was another Biola box that came in. It has taken everything in me to not go find that box somewhere, oh, open it, man. and know what it is. Yeah. I know the price of it because I looked at the bank. I, I am oh, the worst. You are the worst. I am the worst at keeping secrets, not, not wanting to know what's going on telling people their gift because I want to control it. I want to react. Yeah, and, yeah. and so I have to remind myself in this conversation that like, you only can know what you can know. Yeah. And so what does preparing look like? Sure. And I think, I think again, when you talk about embracing your identity, I think that is, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm always reminded and, and I, four or five years ago, I was really working through the book of Ephesians and man, it, it, it might've had more impact on me than any reading I've done in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I learned from that book is just that identity is something that's placed on you. It's not something that's earned. It's not something that you're trying to achieve. And so if your view of judgment day is like, oh, I've got to work myself up to be ready at that point to stand before God holy, it's like, no, that's not, that's not what Paul's talking about. It's not what he talks about anywhere. It's something that's been placed on you through the work of Christ. Um, it's as if you said Graham's born, Graham is a green, and he's going to be a green for the rest of his life. And now he can probably legally you know, decide he doesn't want to be have the last name green. But, but again, he is a part of our family. And I think that's the kind of security that we need to have in this, is that we need to rest in. And so then the next question is, if we are children of the light, then we need to live in the light. We need to live out that identity, not for the purpose of earning our identity, but that's what you do when that identity is placed on you. Mm-hmm. That's what's the most natural thing. Um, and obviously, I don't mean natural in the worldly sense, but I mean, that is what's going to feel the most like kingdom living is when we live out the identity that God has placed on us, not trying to accomplish it for ourselves. Right. I think, too, when you know your identity, even when you don't, I would say, um, Rustling against it and trying to to be something else that you're not is terribly, terribly hard to do. Um, and it, it throws you into all kinds of cattywampus. Um, I mean, I would say there was a time when I was definitely called to be a stay-at-home mom, and mm-hmm. I, I knew that. But I thought, eh, I'm going to go try to get a job because I feel like I should be working. And I mm-hmm. had a, one little boy at the time, and um, Titus was just a toddler. And I remember going 
to work and taking him with me at the time, he was able to go with me, but he would have childcare in the other room and I could hear him screaming from the other room. And I just remember having a moment where I was like, I know that this is not what I've been called to do right now. I know that the Lord has, has put put it on my heart to be a stay at home mom. Why am I trying to fight against it and do Mm. something else? And, um, and finally went over and picked up my little guy and took him home. And yeah, I mean, I just found that there was more, um, there was more adversity there. Yeah, I think that's so good because because I think we have to remind ourselves, especially in this current uh, culture, uh, social culture, identity is not a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can't, I can't. I mean, we you can talk about trying to you know live out the identity that's been placed on you and practically what does that look like, but a true identity, it's it's not something that we you know have the power to choose or to morph, you know, like once you're in the position of mom, like you're a mom, mm-hmm. you know, now you can decide what's the best way for you to live out that identity. Mm-hmm. And, but there's also, I think very clearly for a lot of us, we know, we know when we're not living out that identity, <laughs> you yeah. know, when we're doing things that go against, you know, this title or this thing that's been placed on us. Yeah. And I don't want to say working moms are not a thing yeah. too. I just knew that the Lord had, had placed mm-hmm. it on my heart to stay home and I was fighting against it. Yeah. And so, and so that's kind of the, again, to parallel that with practically, again, how do we prepare for the end? It's okay. There's this identity that's been placed on you, that you are a child of the light, mm-hmm. that this is, this is going to be placed on you. And this is where you're going. And this is what the future is going to look like. And so now we're called to faithfully live out that identity the best that we can, um, which that means not just, you know, that means not choosing to live as if we are children of the darkness or choosing, you know, to live in a way that doesn't honor Christ, but it means living out that identity. And that's going to look different for each and every one of us. You know, if the answer was like, okay, now everybody be- needs to become mm-hmm. a pastor mm-hmm. and be like, no, that's not what we're saying, <laughs> you know, or now everybody needs to become a master of the book. of Revelation. That's not what we're saying either. But what we're saying is now that you know who you are, you need to live out that identity right. until this point comes. Right. And I think that, um, I, I mean, I'm picking up on a, a huge theme of Paul giving assurance and confidence to the yeah. believer here. And we had a really good conversation in the booth at, at Chicago's Pizza the other night. So one of my boys is reading the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Nice. Yeah. Um, which is, would you call that a satire? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with the book, it's um, two demons who are um, writing letters. Mm -hmm. um, And it's been a long time since I've read it. But um, I think it's a one way letter reading. So we're kind of given the the audience to the letters going to the nephew. Yes. Correct. You're getting you're getting the letters from the from. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Wormwood. Yeah. Wormwood. Yep. To yes, to his nephew mm-hmm. on how to take down this believer, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as we're talking about it, I just um, I could I could see the one who's reading it is is wrestling with some of it. Just finds it very fascinating, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and all three of my boys are just like, that's the scariest thing in the entire world that there are demons out there who want to like yeah. harm us. Mm-hmm. And so what I turned it back to was, you are a child of the light. Because yeah. it's right here. You you are already in Christ, and mm-hmm. there is no way that you can ever be demon-possessed mm-hmm. or taken over, um, and you will not be given more than what mm-hmm. Christ has already handled for you, and um, there, is no, there is no wrath for you. Jesus Christ has mm-hmm. taken the wrath of your sin, 
And so I had to really give them their identity in order to not yeah. be afraid of this concept that there are demons. Yeah, no, and that's huge because I think we even have a tendency, we read through the Gospels and we see Jesus's ministry and we yeah. see him, you know, um, healing people or as a th- authority over the demons. And we go, man, like, what if that was me? Like, maybe yeah. I've got something, you know, I remember being a kid, like, maybe I've got something in me that needs casting the pigs, you know? Yeah. So like, and what if I don't know about it? Maybe that's why I'm so angry, you know? So like, yeah. that was called just being 13 year old boy. Yeah. But yeah. like, uh, you know, you start to think some of those things and we have to be reminded that even those stories in the Bible, they're there because they're to show Jesus's authority over those yes. things. And so now we are in the pos- position with the risen Lord that he has, a th- he is, and this is what's happening in the end is that he's going to once and for all have full authority over those things. But currently right now we live in the tension where by Christ dwelling in us, um, we don't have to worry about those things anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that really kind of gets us to the last spot of Scott's sermon, which is we're supposed to focus on eternity. And I think, I think like you're saying, when there is bad stuff going on around us, we have a tendency just to focus on the immediate, <laughs> you know, like what's going on around, you know, what, like, oh man, this is so awful. What's going on here? And what Scott was really encouraging us to do on Sunday is to have an eternal perspective in mind mm-hmm. to when we know this, when we know this is how it's going to go down, when we know what we need to know, not all the, not the who, when, what, where, why we do know the who we know the what, we don't know Just the when, don't know the when. and we know the why. <laughs> but when you don't know the when, it's like we know what the moment is going to be like. Mm-hmm. And when we know that, we can have security. We can walk in faith. We can walk in peace and not be worried about all these things of the world. And even for your boys, as you're saying, we don't need to be worried about the cosmic powers, <laughs> the spiritual right. powers at play. Exactly. You know, while they, while they exist, we don't need to be as concerned with those yeah. things. Yeah. And so I don't know. I think, I think that should give us hope. Absolutely. Um, I think that's why we have hope is that, again, we know what it's going to look like one day. And so don't be so concerned with the things that you don't know or the things that Paul clearly doesn't think you need to know. Mm -hmm. He's like, don't worry about these things. Be concerned with what you do know and then live out your identity as such. And I would would add to that, um, to go back to your question about some people who may be wanting to study this more – as we talked about the whole council of scripture, I mean, spending little, little times in the word mm-hmm. and making small deposits over time is what will help, help you build up that assurance of knowing what will, what it will be like. Cause it isn't just these couple passages and mm-hmm. then revelation that talks about it. The whole scripture talks about it. Yeah. We get a glimpse from the very beginning of what it's going to be like, and there's going to be a crushing of the serpent. And it's amazing that all of this is throughout scripture. And if we spend time just, reading it and, and letting mm-hmm. it fill us, um, uh, you will feel a better, um, you'll have a better grasp of what it will be like. And even if the wind piece is pulled out, that, that assurance is so much greater and, uh, and stronger. Yeah. So let's, let's, we're going to end here, but I, I want to do a little exercise here. We're going <laughs> to give people a little bit of homework. Okay. So I think there are things that are, again, we talked about this last week, the things that are generally true for all believers. Mm -hmm. And then there are unique things of us working out our calling and identity. So, you know, you gave the example of how you felt God was calling you to be a mother to your family, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's things about that that are unique for you. And there are things that are, you know, that, that are different for other people. But then there are things that are generally true. So to live out our identity as children of the light, what would be some of the things that you would say, this is what this looks like Mm -hmm. practically for all people? Yeah. 
I would say the first thing is that you need to be in the body. Mm-hmm. You need to be in the body of believers. Um, and so even if it's not at Stones Crossing Church, there needs to be a body, a local body that you can see um, in person as often as you can, as soon as you feel ready, like it mm-hmm. needs to happen. Um, I would say the second thing is that that piece of being in the scriptures, mm-hmm. that is the source of food for you. Um, yeah. That is the the main source of nourishment here on earth. It is the letter to us from the Lord to see who he is, his, his character, um, his great love, his plan for redemption. All of that is in here. No, that's great. Yeah. Uh, and then again, so, so there are these things that are generally true for all of us that we can go, okay, all believers, all those that are children of the light, this is what we do. Yeah. Now there are those things that are specific for you. What does the outworking of that look like in your life? Time, place, when, where, why, how you do that with your kids, how you do, you know, yeah. how you do that with your husband, how you do that with your wife, and the, the practical things. I want to encourage those of you who are listening to this today to take some time this week and say, you know, focusing on eternity, write out some of those general truths we mentioned, maybe some more that you're thinking of. Mm-hmm. Again, we're always firing from the hip here. Yeah, but yeah, because I, I think I would add the piece of um, of the gospel needs to be first and foremost in your life and Mm -hmm. you need to be sharing it with someone, whomever is in your circle. So, so write out those general truths and then write out, okay, what does it mean for me specifically to focus on on eternity? What do I need to do? How do I need to remap my schedule? Do I need to think about my career choice? Do I need to think about all these things to really live with eternity in mind and then walk in that? And so I would encourage those of you who are listening that do that sometime this week. Just have that have that running list in your life of, hey, this is my reminder of how I can, you know, live out the identity that's been placed on me. Again, not to earn the identity, but it's this identity has been placed on you. And so this is how I'm going to live um, with that eternal, you know, security in mind. Yeah. So, yeah. So, again, thank you for listening to the Sunday recap. Uh, next week, I think we will all three be back. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Back, back good. I'll be back in the right chair. I'm sitting in Chris's yeah. chair, by the way. Another inside look. It's like look. A family dinner and we're all in the wrong seat. Yep. So, we'll be back <laughs> next week. Thanks for listening to the Sunday recap. <laughs>